Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. What are the areas in your life today where you are running away from the Lord? In what aspects of your life are you not fully obeying Him and living according to His Word, the Bible? Let's open our Bible now to Jonah chapter 1 and take a look at some unfortunate consequences that occurred when Jonah ran away from the Lord. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching. It is Monday morning here in Texas. Hopefully everyone's doing well, loving on Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Today we're going to continue in the book of Jonah. Um, we started the book um, last week, uh, last Friday, and today, Lord willing, we're going to do verses 3, 4, 5, and 6 in chapter 1. So hopefully everyone's doing well and uh, just, uh, again, spending time with Jesus, growing to know him. It's the, it's the meaning of life to grow in relationship with uh, with our Heavenly Father and with Jesus Christ our Lord and with the Holy Spirit. It's the it's really what we live for is to grow to know them, grow to know their love, to grow for us to grow to love them, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and for us to obey them and, of course, repent where we fall short. And, and as we grow in our devotion to Jesus and in our relationship with Jesus and in our obedience to him, um, we will find the meaning of life more and more unfold. So thank you, Lord Jesus. So we're going to go ahead and uh, we'll read the scripture first today, and then we will pray and we will get rolling. So we're in Jonah chapter one. We're going to read verses three, three through six. If you remember, verse one said the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Verse 2, the word of the Lord to Jonah was, Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. Starting in verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Verse 4, Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for our Bible. We thank you for this, this incredible book in our Bible, the book of Jonah. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to give us eyes that see now and ears that hear. We ask you to lead us and guide us as we open your word. We commit this time into your hands in the name of our only Savior, and master and king and God, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay. Wow. So you see the, the specific instructions given by the Lord to Jonah to go preach against Nineveh and its wickedness, to, uh, to preach to them that they need to repent or that the Lord would destroy them. And, um, and verse 3 says, But Jonah... 
ran away from the Lord. And, and certainly, that could be any of us and has often certainly applies to us, right? When we disobey our Bible, the Word of God, when we're disobedient to our Heavenly Father, to Jesus, and to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Trinity, they're all God. I'll say again, they're three distinct beings, and they're all God. Um, when we're disobedient to them, we're running away from them. We're in rebellion to Jesus. And that that never works out well. It's... Uh, in every aspect of our lives that we're not obedient to the Word of God and to the Son of God, Jesus Christ, it, it only results in problems, in difficulties, in failures, um, in hardships, in trials, in, uh, in storms. Um, our Heavenly Father loves us, and He is a loving Father. C.S. Lewis said that most of us don't really want a father in heaven. We want a grandfather in heaven, right? Because a grandfather, you come run up into his lap and he puts you on his lap and you have wonderful times with him and he gets to bless you and give you money and candy and all that stuff. But then just, uh, you know, sends, sends the grandkids home when it comes to dealing with uh, all the discipline and things like that, right? We don't have a grandfather in heaven. We have a father in heaven who does discipline us when we're disobedient. And we're certainly going to see that in these verses in Jonah. But it's important for us to understand that our obedience has nothing to do with us being saved from our sin and going to heaven, Corinne. Um, we're saved from our sin completely and totally based on what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done in our place and on our behalf at the cross, we're saved from our sin. We come into relationship with the Holy Trinity and we ultimately go to heaven, not based on anything we do or don't do, but by believing, trusting and relying on Jesus Christ as our only Lord and Savior. Right. We're trusting Jesus, knowing that we're sinful, knowing that we're hopeless and Jesus is our only hope. We're saved from our sin when we put all our faith and trust and reliance on Jesus, right? When we actively and currently, knowing our need of Christ, desperately as sinful people, are currently entrusting in him, trusting and relying on him. Now, if you've never trusted Jesus, have you ever called on Jesus? Have you ever asked him to come into your heart, to be the Lord of your life, to save you from your sin, to bring you to heaven when you die? It's important we understand the words don't save us. It's Christ that saves us. But the words are the, the, the way we communicate, right, with each other and with Jesus. So, you know, with the words, Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So if you've never given your life to Christ, you can do it now, right? Again, the Bible says that every human being is uh, in desperate need of a Savior. Every human being is sinful. And so knowing our need of Jesus, knowing we're hopeless without him, you can call on him today. Simply call out to him and say, Lord Jesus, I do believe that you are the son of God, that you lived a perfect life for me and died a perfect death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin, to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and trust 
and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. I'll say again, it's not the words that save us, but that's how, right? It's the fact that you mean the words, that you know your desperate need of Christ and you run to him. You run to the cross, right? Putting your faith in Christ, repenting of whatever else you believe that's contrary to that. Repenting of in your own mind. Repent means to change the way you think and, of course, the way you act, right? But to become a Christian, you change the way you've been thinking. Okay, if you've been thinking you don't need Jesus, you repent of that thinking because the Bible says you need him absolutely and totally, every human being. If you've been thinking that your good works are going to get you to heaven, you repent of that thinking. You change that thinking, knowing there's nothing you can do to save yourself, right? Um, you, you, you simply repent of whatever belief system you may or may not have or have had that's contrary to what the Bible teaches. And the Bible teaches that every human being is sinful. Every human being is hopeless. Every human being will unfortunately spend eternity separated from God in hell unless they come and give their lives to Jesus Christ and receive Jesus Christ and trust him as their only Lord and Savior. So to repent means to change the way you've been thinking if that's not how you've been thinking. And, and draw and ask Christ to come into your heart. Now, once you become a Christian, once you are saved and Jesus is living in you, then we do spend our lives repenting of sinful behavior as well as sinful thinking. But none of this saves us, okay? Nothing we do or don't do, our obedience to Christ should be a result of knowing all that Jesus has done for him. It should be a result of our love for Christ, right? Because he's important to us, we want to obey him, right? Because we know how much the triune God has done in our redemption and our salvation, our heart in response to that should be to obey them and love them. But none of that saves us. We have to humble ourselves in our salvation and know there's nothing that can save us from our sin except Christ alone. And as I said, the way we just prayed to receive Jesus, sometimes we can get confused and think if we just say those words, we're saved. That's not how that works. It's not just puppeting some words, right? It's having a real heart of understanding our need for Christ and calling out for him to be our Savior and our Lord, really desiring for him to be the Lord of our life, to save us from our sin and to bring us to heaven when we die. So as Christians now, we can run away from the Lord. Jonah is one of the greatest men or women of God in all history. Undoubtedly, at this time in history, Jonah is one of the greatest, the greatest godly people anywhere in the world. Okay? He serves God in an immense capacity. He's a prophet called by God to speak the truth. We find out later in the book that the reason he's running away is because he knows that when he preaches, and he does, if he does what God tells him to do in verse 2, that the people of Nineveh will repent, the Lord will have compassion on them, and that they'll be saved from their sin. But these people were so wicked, they were so detestable in Jonah's sight, that he didn't want that to happen, believe it or not. So he he's fleeing from the Lord. He's running away in complete disobedience and rebellion to what God has called him to do. Again, verse 2, 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it. It's not ambiguous. Jonah knows what to do. Because its wickedness has come up before me. We talked about how it's our, it's our responsibility to lovingly exhort one another in Christ and to correct one another um, where we're living in ways that are not biblical. Um, and we need to do that in our own lives first and then lovingly exhort others. But again, verse three, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Where are you running away from the Lord today? And what areas of your life are you not living for Jesus? And what areas of your life are you not loving for Jesus, giving for Jesus, and forgiving for Jesus, Melanie? But Jonah ran away from the Lord. Matthew, where are you running away from the Lord? Scott, where are you running away from the Lord? Chloe, where are you running away from the Lord? Kristen, are you running away from the Lord? Nathan, Lauren, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Any aspects of our life where we're not running to Jesus, we're running from him. There's no middle ground. There's no agnostic ground, okay? You can't play both sides of the aisle, right, Jack? Um, you're either in Christ or you're out, okay? You're either obeying the word of God or you're not. Now, none of us are perfect, of course. So in what ways are we running away from Jesus? In what ways have you and I refused to bring order and correction to our, to our lives, to be in line with the word of God. Because in any way that we're running away from the Lord and disobeying him, it doesn't go well for us. Look what happens. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. Um, the guys, Jesse has done a great job. Stephen, my, my brother Tom, Jose, Eddie, Josh. Um, you know, we have, uh, you know, we've been studying this book in uh in Bible study and um you know these these guys have done a great job in just in just looking into Jonah and doing the research and um apparently Tarshish to Nineveh is about 2700 miles which apparently is the span of the United States like from whatever like uh you know, say New York to California is around 2,700 miles. So Jonah goes the opposite direction, tries to get as far as he can from doing what the Lord had called him to do. And really, that is a picture of, of much of the church and Christians in today's culture. Oftentimes, we seem to want to be as rebellious to the Lord as we possibly can. It seems like we just want to go and do our own thing which is often the opposite of what these scriptures tell us to do. I mean, there's nothing like this word of God. I'm just, you know, there's just something so beautiful about it. You just, the more time you spend in the Bible, the more exciting it gets to you. I have my, my iPad here. It's down to 1%. So I got this physical Bible open. It's just so beautiful. I'm in the book of Jonah here. It's just, I just love it. Thank you, Jesus. We love it. We love the word of God. There's nothing more profitable in our lives than the living word of God, spending time and our Bible, reading it, meditating on it, studying it, and of course, most importantly, obeying it and repenting where we fall short. So wherever we're running away from the Lord today, let's repent. We can just stop, turn around, and walk back to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I've, I messed it up. I ask you to forgive me, and I'm, I'm telling you, we're going to find, as we go through the rest of this chapter, that... Uh, 
that repentance is the greatest tool in our toolbox, right, Benny? It's just the greatest tool, Ian. There is, uh, there's nothing in our toolbox, Esther, like repentance. Just whatever ways we know we're living contrary to the Bible, we just say, Lord, I'm sorry, I've, I've failed, and he is compassionate. These Ninevites we're going to find by the end of the book, they receive and give their lives to the Lord. 120,000 of them are going to be saved and give their lives to the Lord, and they're going to repent. And, um, and they had done horrible things, some, um, you know, some, um, some historical analysis of the book. It doesn't say it in here. says that the Ninevites were cannibals, right? I mean, that's, that means you're eating people. It's, it's inconceivable, right? Is there anything worse than that? But to, you know, to murder someone and eat them or when they're dead to eat them, it's, it's completely and totally unbiblical, forbidden in the word of God, right? It's horrendous. But yet when they repent, the Lord has compassion on them. So in whatever ways we're living contrary to the Bible today, let's, man, let's just run to Jesus and repent and just tell him, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me. And when we do this, our relationship with Jesus becomes a little more intimate. Remember, you come into relationship with Jesus, Leah, not by anything you do, but by trusting Jesus as your Savior. Uh, God the Father becomes your heavenly Father. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord, your Savior, your Master, your King. Um, you become his bride. You're part of the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. The Holy Spirit becomes your, your guide, your counselor, your comforter. Um, and when... As Christians, when we live lives that are disobedient, it affects our relationship with Jesus Christ. It doesn't take it away, but any sinful aspects that we're living in as Christians, it hinders our relationship with Jesus, right? We don't experience the joy and the intimacy of relationship with, with, with our Heavenly Father, with Jesus, or with the Holy Spirit. We don't have... We don't experience their love and intimacy the same way when we're living in rebellion or deliberate sin and disobedience. And so when we repent, it's this incredible tool that brings restoration into our relationship with Jesus Christ. Like I said, you never lose it. God the Father uh, will never stop being your heavenly father, just like as parents, we don't stop being our children's father and mother when they disobey us. We still love them. But the relationship is not the same. We have to discipline them. And of course, they don't like it. They certainly don't feel loved when we're disciplining them, right? So it's the same with our Heavenly Father. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, which is interesting, after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. It's interesting when we... Uh, Tom and, and myself and Jesse, the elders at Kingdom Discipleship, were discussing this today. And um, it says, after paying the fare. So Jonah is not only fleeing from the Lord, but he uses, he uses his resources, his money, to facilitate that task. Right, Stephen? Um, it's an interesting thing. Um, there, 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 there are times, sometimes even oftentimes when we, 
when we when we live in disobedience, that oftentimes it will come with financial mismanagement as well. Um, not only does is Joseph, uh, Jonah fleeing from the Lord, but he's going to misuse money to accomplish that. Right? Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh and preach against it. Instead, he used money so that to help facilitate him fleeing from the Lord. And oftentimes, when we're disobedient to the Lord, it does come with uh, financial mismanagement as well. Right? Um, I mean, oftentimes disobedience requires money and finances. And, and certainly we can do this in many ways, right? My iPad just went off. So now I'm, I'm looking down here on my physical Bible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. So yeah, you see, it says that he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port after paying the fare. Okay. So again, he misused that money, right? That money that he had in his pocket, the Bible says all our money belongs to Jesus, right? Um, Psalm 24, verse one says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it belong to Jesus. So even our money is Jesus's, right? And we're a steward of our, we've talked about this a lot. Everything we have belongs to the Lord, the breath in our lungs, our very life, our person, our soul, your soul is your mind, your will and your emotions, your body, um, everything belongs to Jesus. And we are to be stewards of our time that belongs to Jesus, of our gifts and talents, the things we're good at, and of course, our resources, our money. We are supposed to steward all these as Jesus would have us to. Um, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, was the word of the Lord, was what the word of the Lord told him to do. But instead, he used his resources and money to go the opposite way to Tarshish, and he had to pay to do it. And so I'll say again, oftentimes when we're disobedient, um, it results in a, in, a, in a misuse of finances, a mismanagement of finances. And, and, I'll, and I'll say that when people are in financial hardship, generally, not all the time, but generally you'll find mismanagement in there. And I'm not saying anything any of us don't know. I have certainly done this and we all have, but generally when we're in financial hardship, um, there's, there's, there has been mismanagement of the finances in one way or another. Um, and it's just another area of repentance. It's certainly something myself, May, my wife May and I are consistently looking how we need to, to better utilize our finances, be better stewards of the Lord. So paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Now look at verse four. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. When we're disobedient to Jesus, he will come after us. If you're a child of God today, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, God the Father is your heavenly Father. And if, if we're being disobedient and we're fleeing from him and we are, uh, we're in rebellion against him, it's not going to be long before a storm comes into our lives. And that's not pleasant. Now, there are storms that come into our lives where we're allowed to suffer for Christ. Not all difficulties or hardships are a result of our disobedience. But this is going to be a tremendous hardship for Jonah. Okay? Look at verse 4 again. Then the Lord, the Lord. Okay. Jonah 
completely disobeys the Lord, Robin, goes his own way, going to do what he wants to do, right? And certainly as Christians, we can recognize this area in our own lives. I ain't doing that. I don't want to do that. We're just, you know, we're obstinate. We do what we want to do. We like our own way. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the Lord, that the ship threatened to break up. I, I don't like violent storms. I don't. I don't like violent storms. Okay. Jonah's disobedience. <laughs> I mean, the Lord Jesus ain't playing here. Right? The Lord's not playing with Jonah. Okay? First of all, it's apparent that the Lord is aware that Jonah is fleeing. If you don't, don't know this, there's nowhere we can go and hide from the triune God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Now, this is true whether you're in Jesus Christ or not. But if you're a Christian today, Jesus Christ lives in you by his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a Christian. He's one with you in spirit. He goes everywhere you go. He's always with you. The good news is he'll never leave you and never forsake you. The bad news is he'll never leave you. So when you want to go in some act of disobedience, whatever it is, and we all know what they are in our lives, right? There are all kinds of manners of disobedience, right? He is with you. And you're taking him with you in that disobedience. We can't hide from Jesus. There's nothing we can do where we're hiding from the Lord Jesus, right? He's always with us. And because we have a heavenly father who's a heavenly father and not a heavenly grandfather, he's going to discipline us to bring order to the disorder that we have rebelled in in whatever areas we're disobedient in our lives, Jack, right? Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose. Let me say again, I don't like violent storms from the Lord to come into my life. I don't like trials or hardships or difficulties, whatever the storm is, Dave, to come into my life because I've been rebellious and because I've been disobedient disobedient. I mean, it just the fear of the Lord, right? Nathan makes us want to repent, right? Um, I understand that. And we all need to understand that the Lord develops our character generally through difficulties, right? It's, you know, any, any type of growth in character doesn't generally come, generally come through good times, right? Generally our character is grown in anything, right? I'm going through this book again called uh, Trusting God by a, an amazing author named Jerry Bridges, who's written some incredible books. Um, I recommend them. The Discipline of Grace is outstanding. Um, just uh, his books on holiness are very good. But, um, you know, he, he, he's making the point as I was uh, I listened to it yesterday and then May May was listening to it with me on the way home from a graduation party. My wife, May, and just uh he was just making the point, any virtue that we grow in, any aspect of our character we grow in almost always comes, the growth almost always comes from adversity. And he gave the example that if you and I are impatient, and that is one of my most, that's one of the things I'm weakest at is patience, I confess. The only way we're going to grow in patience is when we have to be patient in times and circumstances where it's hard to be patient. 
It's only when we exercise patience in the form of some adversity that we grow to learn patience because it doesn't take it doesn't take patience when the situation is nice and wonderful and, and loving and exciting, right? When things are the way I like them, I don't need patience, right? Um, I need to exercise patience when things are happening in ways that are adverse to me, in ways that I don't like. And so um, oftentimes the Lord will bring some adverse situations into our lives even when we don't have an area of disobedience. And again, all of that is so that we could grow in Christ-likeness, right? Adversity, when we go through it and we continue to pursue Jesus, helps us to grow to be more like Christ. It helps us, helps us to grow in our faith in Christ. Um, helps us to grow in our obedience and in our love for him. It helps us to grow His in knowing his love for us. But there are... Every time we can understand, when we are disobedient to the Lord, we do bring discipline to ourselves. The Hebrew writer makes it very, very clear in Hebrews chapter 12 that no discipline seems pleasant at the time, right? And it makes it clear that, that our Heavenly Father disciplines us. Our earthly parents disciplined us. How much more will our, will our Heavenly Father discipline us? And we see that discipline in Jonah here. But what's interesting is the discipline doesn't fall on Jonah alone. We were discussing this today. Um, oftentimes when I do these teachings, most of the time, I'll have, I'll have discussed them and taught them several times before. Um, and again, today with, uh, with Tom and Jesse, we did this. We were talking about how when we are disobedient to the Lord, when, when we do run away from the Lord, when we're, not, when we're in rebellion to the Lord in whatever aspect of our life it is, um, it doesn't affect just us. You know, our, our disobedience really always will have a negative effect on all those around us as well. And look at this here. So verse four, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I, I, I don't like violent storms, Lord. So I ask you to help me and all of us, right, David, to really just come to you and repent for the areas of our life where we've been disobedient and are not living in a right and upright way before you, Lord, because I, I, I don't want any violent storms, Lord. I don't. Then the Lord sent such a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. Verse five. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Jonah's disobedience put the whole ship in danger. What were there, 100, 200, 300 sailors? We don't know. Probably a lot. How many, how many men's lives did Jonah endanger by his rebellion? When Jonah got on the ship, Jonah's disobedience nearly brought the whole ship down and everybody in it. Now you'll notice Jonah's disobedience does bring immense consequence to everybody else that's with him. Look at verse five. All the sailors were afraid. I guess if you're on a ship in a violent storm, it could be pretty, pretty terrifying. 
All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God, little G. We're going to see an incredible principle. Believe it or not, all these sailors are going to get saved and come to the Lord because this incredible principle that, that when Jonah repents, there's going to be more power and meaning and blessing in his repentance than there was discipline in his disobedience. Just think about that, Jeff. Wow. Um, there's, there's, there's often more power in our repentance and more blessing comes from our repentance than the difficulty that came from the sin that we were in. So believe me, when we repent, it opens the door for such blessing. No matter what it is we need to repent of in our lives, it opens the door for just tremendous blessing, not only in our lives, but for others. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And look at this. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. That had to be pretty expensive. Jonah's disobedience brings a clear hardship, a terrible hardship to everybody on this ship. We don't understand. We often do not understand how our disobedience affects other people. We really don't. I don't oftentimes. When we're selfish, when we want our own way, we know that we're being disobedient to the Lord, but we don't see how it can affect others. Look at this. It's entirely because Jonah, Jonah didn't know when he got on this boat, he was rocking the whole boat. He was putting the whole boat in jeopardy. And oftentimes we don't realize the consequence of our disobedience to others. And Father, I ask you to forgive us. I ask you to cleanse us of this, Lord, and uh, forgive us when we're selfish, Father, and we don't see that our selfishness, our sinfulness, our disobedience does have ramifications on those around us. Jonah's disobedience cost the ship its entire cargo. And they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Whatever cargo they were transporting to, Kars the, to Tarshish, this is how they make their living. Because of the storm, they had to throw it all overboard in, a, in an attempt. Apparently throwing the cargo overboard is something you'd do in a violent storm to keep the ship more stable. I don't understand the physics to all that, but obviously that's why they're doing it. And, it's, and, it, and it comes at a massive expense. We don't know the expense, but we know it's a tremendous expense. Imagine ships today, right? Cargo ships. Imagine the massive cargo, the, the, the millions and millions of pounds of cargo they're transporting. Imagine if they have to throw all that cargo overboard if a ship, if a ship is coming from Asia or Europe um, or, or South America, wherever it's coming from. That'd be crazy, wouldn't it? Jonah's single disobedience costs an immense hardship, an immense financial hardship. He never intended this. And, I, and I'll say again, the vast majority of us as Christians, when we disobey, we're not trying to hurt anybody else. But it is a biblical principle that our disobedience costs not only us, but it costs those around us. Those who are in relationship. And sometimes people we don't even know. It, it's a tremendous principle. It's a scary principle, really. And Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive us and, and to help us, Lord, to live more Christ-like lives, understanding the immense consequence 
when we are in rebellion against you, Lord. Forgive us. Forgive me, Father. All right, wrapping up verse 6. The rest of verse 5 actually says, But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. Now, there are times when, you know, when we're just, when we are in rebellion against the Lord, all you want to do is just go to sleep, right? You're just depressed. You're down because the payoff is never what we think it's going to be, right? When our disobedience is never, it really never gives the payoff that we want, right? Sin in itself, it has this allure, but it never, ever brings the payoff that we uh that we believe it's going to be. There always is a tremendous consequence to it. And, you know, sometimes we've all been in that season. You just, you just want to go to bed. You just want to go to sleep. You just, you don't want to, you don't even want to deal with it, right? And certainly we've all been there. And I'll tell you, it's amazing. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, and sometimes we could just be, we could be sleeping while we're awake, right? As Christians, we can just be in a sleep. You remember in Revelation 3, when Jesus is talking to the church of Sardis, he tells them, wake up, right? I mean, you could be sleeping while you're awake, right? As Christians, we can be awake and not doing what we're supposed to do. To this church in Sardis, in Revelation 3, Jesus speaking to a church, he said, wake up, right? I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of my God. You're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're physically awake, but you're not spiritually awake. Wake up. Um. And verse 6 says, the captain went to him, we're in Jonah now, back in Jonah. The captain went to him and said, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us and we will not perish. Perish means to die. Apparently the situation is so grave, so bad. The storm is so bad right now. The storm that Jonah brought not only on himself, but all these people who he doesn't even know is so bad that the captain of the ship, a professional ship captain, and all the sailors believe that there is a probability that they will all die and perish. That is a pretty big storm. And Lord Jesus, I, I'm a scared. I don't, you know, I don't want storms like that in my life. Okay. I certainly don't want storms where I could perish or anyone else could be hurt. So, Lord, I ask you to have mercy on us and give us eyes that see and ears that hear and help us to live in a way that's, uh, Lord, where we, where we want to live as you would have us to live and love as you would have us to love and help us to repent where we fall short. Mm. The captain went to him. An unbeliever has to go wake up one of the most incredible men of God. And, and sometimes when the Lord sends someone to wake us up, it's not someone we would expect. But, you know, have you not said this to people? Look at this. Look at the captain says, how can you sleep? You know, there are some times where people just are sleeping and we wonder, how could you be sleeping right now? Get up, man. The, the captain says, get up and pray. The captain is a pagan. Now he's going to come to know the one true God here in a few verses, as you're going to see. And that's going to be exciting for, you know, maybe the next teaching or the one after. He's going to come to know the truth. And he's going to come to worship the, the, the Lord, the God of heaven. But this unbeliever, this pagan, 
Because, you know, when it says, when the captain says, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. It's little G. The captain doesn't know that Jonah knows the one true God and serves the one true God and is a massive prophet of the one true God. He's got to tell Jonah to get up and pray. And, 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 and most of us today, wherever we are, okay, wherever we're sleeping, we're beat, we're tired, let's get up and pray. Let's get up and call on the name of our God, Jesus Christ, capital G. Let's call on Jesus today. And whatever aspects of our life are withering or they look like they're perishing or where things are just going bad, let's get up, let's repent, and let's pray and just go to Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I mean, I'm sorry. I ask you to forgive me, Lord. And I, I do repent. And repent for whatever it is that you have going on in your life. And call on the name of your God. And the name of your God is Jesus. I've said this many times as Christians. Um, Jesus Christ has given his life for us. He's died on the cross for us. He was tortured for us, and yet we don't use his name. We often don't use his name in Christian pulpits. We want to say God is good, God, 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 God. All that's true, okay? But it was Jesus, God the Son, who entered this world for you and I, lived a perfect life for you and I, gave his life for you and I. So let's start using his name a little more, okay? Jesus Christ is full-blown God Almighty, God the Son, right? To call on the name of your God is to call on the name of Jesus, right? Let's start using the name Jesus more and more and more on Christians. So, so this day, from now on, where you would use, where you would use the word God, Jack, replace that with the name Jesus. Jesus is God. Every time we would use the word God, let's try saying the name Jesus. There's nothing wrong with saying God, of course, right? But I'll tell you, when you say Jesus, the atmosphere changes, right? You walk into some place and you tell them as I do, you can say, man, may God bless you. People will be like, thank you. I appreciate it. You say, may the Lord Jesus bless you. Time stops. Pow, pow. Something happens, right? You made it about Jesus, right? And it's only in Jesus that we can be saved. You can't be saved from your sin. Every religion has God. But it's only in Jesus Christ and knowing Jesus, knowing what Jesus has done for us, knowing our desperate need of Jesus, that we can be saved from our sin, have relationship with God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit, be forgiven of our sin and go to heaven when we die, only in Jesus. So Captain Cole, Jonah, call out, get up and call on your God. Let's get up and call on Jesus today. Praise Jesus, worship Jesus, love Jesus, and repent to the Lord Jesus just for in any ways where we have been fleeing from the Lord. Father, we love you, we bless you, and we thank you. We thank you for the living word of God. We thank you for Jonah. Father, we do ask you to reveal to us, Holy Spirit, we ask you to reveal to us the areas of our lives where we are fleeing from you or where we've been disobedient to you. And help us, Holy Spirit, help us. I'm so slow so many times. Help me. Help us, one and all, to repent of any areas of our lives, Lord, where we're in rebellion, where we're living in deliberate sin, Lord. We pray for your mercy and your favor and your healing. And Father, we call out and we ask all this 
in the incredible and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. It's in Jesus' name we praise you and worship you. And in Jesus' name we pray. Lord Jesus, we love you and we bless you. We commit this time into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.